got two people lined up for questions. I hope there's more. Um, I've been told to be very specific about talking directly into the microphone, please. I would like you to state your name and your question. If you want a short preamble, that's absolutely fine. But if you go off and it becomes a problem, I will cut you off or ask you to get to your question. So again, I apologize if I offend anybody. Please start. Thank you for that question. Uh, so the Alberta Energy Regulator is an independent regulator uh, uh, in the style of how uh, energy regulations are made in uh, uh, most uh, of the continent. Uh, certainly the, uh, on the point about executive pay packages, uh, this government as a first order of business came in and reformed those uh, conservative uh, pay packages that went to friends and insiders. We realized $35 million in savings by reforming the uh, executive compensation uh, for these agencies, boards of, and commissions and eliminating things like uh, taxpayer-funded golf memberships uh, and other perks. Um, and so those were significant savings that uh, have been returned back uh, uh, to the people uh, for re reinvestment into priority areas. Uh, certainly the Alberta uh, Energy Regulator uh, upholds the rule of law, uh, the Water Act, the, uh, 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 the APIA uh, approvals, and uh, other approvals that are necessary for the development of Crown uh, uh, Minerals. Uh, there is no question that they do receive funds uh, from industry levy. Uh, in my view, uh, that is the way it should be. Uh, a regulator uh, ought not be necessarily subsidized uh, by uh, uh, the, the public purse and the tax revenue. It ought to be uh, funded uh, through those that are being regulated. Uh, we have reformed our appointments process uh, so that Albertans uh, may apply for these positions and receive uh, uh, appointment to these positions. We now have gender parity, for example, through our agencies, boards, and commissions. Our uh, uh, all of our agencies, boards, and commissions, and there are hundreds of these appointees, now look far more like Albertans 
than they did before when it was common practice to appoint uh, uh, wealthy friends and insiders. Uh, so that goes some way to uh, answering the question. I, I think I am out of time. Uh, but uh, you know, there is certainly uh, no more important role than upholding the rule of law, which is what our independent agencies uh, like the AUC, the ISO, uh, and uh, the AER are charged with doing. Next question. Speak right into the microphone. I know it's awkward, but get right on in there. I'm sorry, sir, you'll get one question. Is that all right? So pick your best one. Well, thank you. Uh, so as regards uh, uh, pipeline applications uh, and uh, uh, specific uh, pipelines, what uh, Jason Kenney has said uh, is that no pipeline is in, uh, no one pipeline is in the, uh, is in the, is a national priority. He said that on national television when he was a cabinet minister in the Hartford government. Um, certainly, uh, uh, our government has advocated for market access at every available opportunity, and we have gone from a situation where four in 10 uh, Canadians believe that market access uh, for Alberta's energy products is, a, is uh, uh, of pressing national interest and support uh, pipelines to seven in 10 as a, uh, as a result of the efforts of Rachel Notley and her, uh, and her government. Um, there is no question uh, that uh, we need market access and there is no question uh, that uh, I have been at the forefront of those conversations. I traveled to Minnesota uh, uh, in order to get line three uh, uh, approved and earlier this week it was. Uh, our government <laughs> committed 50,000 barrels a day to Keystone XL uh, and we worked with TransCanada uh, in order to get that deal over the line. Uh, we pressured the, the federal government to buy the uh, TMX uh, pipeline so that it would get built after successive Federal uh, uh, governments bungled that file, quite frankly. Lots of blame to go around at the federal level with respect to Trans Mountain, uh, with respect to how 
uh, the initial consultation and reviews were done under the Harper government and then how the redos were done under the Trudeau government. Uh, but certainly having that uh, uh, federal backstop there will ensure that that project gets built. Uh, and uh, we certainly uh, um, uh, are going to see that through uh, and uh, we support that. You know, it's, uh, it's about market access. It's also about adding value to our products and it's about uh, uh, diversifying the economy so that we have a strong oil and gas and energy sector in every sense of that word. Next question, right into the mic. That's a great question. Thank you uh, for that. So uh, uh, one of the things we have done is Alberta Innovates, which is uh, an agency of, of uh, a government that partners with private sector and post-secondary institutions, has invested in uh, research at the University of Alberta to map our geothermal possibilities, uh, uh, our resource, uh, because it's, uh, uh, that deep geothermal resource is um, uh, better in some places than others. Uh, one of the places that it's a very uh, rich resource is in and around the town of Hinton who came to me uh, a couple of years back and asked for uh, some support in research and pilots around uh, exploiting their uh, deep geothermal uh, considerable resource to power the entire town. Uh, and so we funded that pilot project as well. There's a few others that uh, are in uh, various stages of development. Uh, and so there's two issues here. There's the uh, 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 issue of in investing in some of the clean technology that is required to uh, uh, get that resource up out of the ground and uh, uh, have it uh, make clean uh, electricity. But the other um, uh, uh, piece of it is the regulatory side. And so we have, a, I think, four, maybe five, Get, I'd have to fact check myself on that, how many uh, regulatory pilots on geothermal we have underway right now. One of them is at uh, Leduc number one, which was the first place that uh, uh, the big uh, uh, oil discovery area uh, in Leduc, and now they have a, a, a real geothermal possibility there, so that's really exciting. Uh, and so that's one of the spots, there are a few others. We need to get the regulatory piece in order because uh, obviously uh, we're talking about water resources and very deep uh, uh, drilling activities. Uh, and uh, make sure that we are pushing things along on the, uh, uh, on the side of innovation, uh, on the side of uh, the venture capital required uh, to, uh, and the clean technology required to support these uh, uh, initiatives and to make sure that the private companies that are in, in investing in them in some of these orphan wells and, and also can uh, scale uh, their opportunities and have that entrepreneurial support as they, as they move up 
uh, uh, in scale and development. Next question. My name is uh, world's great democracies. It uh, is a democracy with free and fair elections that has been fought for by thousands of veterans from our city uh, in two world wars against militarism, fascism, and Nazism. So uh, my question is about the rise of the right wing in this province, in this country. I'm on social media. I see uh, death threats against uh, the minister here, uh, the premier of the province, and the prime minister, and uh, a, a whole sea of vitriol. So my question is, uh, what would you do to combat the rise, uh, the growing rise of the right wing in this country? Who would like to start? Zach. It's, uh, it's very troubling when you see behavior like that. And, um, and we have to stand up for, for our strength, which is our diversity. As you mentioned, our, our, um, our democracy. But uh, <clears throat> it's difficult. I'm a, I'm a psychologist. And I've been involved in, call it what you want, de-radicalizing people. And it's, it's doable but it involves listening. And if we, we have to be very careful about the fights we pick because sometimes when we fight them, they go back into their dungeons or wherever they live and they get stronger and they say, hey look, I told you these people weren't gonna listen to me. When we listen, we can help de-radicalize and, and um, bring people back into society. There has to be a path back into rational conversation. So I'm not afraid to talk to anybody, no matter how radical they are. And I have a pretty good track, writer, tra track record of helping people um, leave radical ideologies. That's what I do. I, mean, I work with kids now, so I don't have to worry about that. But once upon a time, <laughs> Uh, I did that with adults. So I do, I do think we have to have some type of open uh, conversation with people no matter what extreme they're on and, and uh, help them be educated towards uh, being more peaceful and respectful to, to, to people who, wherever they are on the political spectrum or, or uh, any other contentious issue. You look like you wanted to talk. I, so. I was just kind of watching you for cues, but um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. The the left wing says, "What about right wing? Alt right wing stuff?" And the right wing says the same about the left. And there is on the rise of both sides, in my opinion. Um, that doesn't make either one of them right. Assaulting people over political differences is wrong, no matter which side you stand on. Um, I'm not a psychologist, you know. I, I also partake in, in social media, and one thing we must remember is that when you make decisions as a, as a governing body that, if, that negatively affect 
people's lives. They react with emotion, not necessarily common sense. And they're angry. You've, you've put them and their family at risk, and, and they're mad. I say that given some time, their reaction is different than the first one. You know, that typing of that first sentence on social media when you're mad as hell is uh, probably not your best response. Um, it doesn't make it right. You know, what I can guarantee you is if I was to get into a room with something, some, any one of you in this, that's sitting in this room, and we can be on the complete opposite sides of any one subject, but if we humanize each other and empathize, we come out with a better understanding and, you know, a little more friendliness, if you will. You know, it's, uh, it's a very divided place the world is at the moment, and uh, that's a shame. You know, I've never seen this, this country so divided, so polarized politically, and since the last time that a Trudeau was uh, the head of this country, and that's a, that's a massive, massive shame. Thank you. Pat. I like what Zach said. We have to embrace diversity. I don't want to be eating cornflakes for every breakfast for the rest of my life. So I want diversity in my breakfast. I want diversity in my life. And I think the only way we can begin to have this discourse is that we have to have our elected people, our leaders, not point fingers, okay? Stand up for what you believe in. All of us here, we have stood up for what we believe in. We say what we believe in. Yes, and we can take pot shots at the party that's not here, okay? <clears throat> but we have to first and foremost say, that's her opinion, that's her decision. We must respect it. We don't have to like it. But instead of calling someone down personally, that's where we need our leaders to stand up. Our leaders, Rachel Notley, Jason Kenney, David Kahn, I'm sorry. I Dave Dorkman. Dave Dorkman. I don't know these, some of these leaders. But what, did I say something wrong? Stephen, Stephen Mandel is the leader of the Alberta. Stephen, Stephen Mandel, thank you very much. I was gonna get there. But what we need them to say is how can they work together? So whoever makes the legislature, why don't we ask them to start having committees where it's a multi-party committee, not two. In our writing, we have, four, we have five people. We don't have two, we have five. In the legislature, we've got a couple of different parties. Maybe we can make up committees. We can show the people that all the parties can get along. And to me, if we start with the leaders, and we start with the elected officials, that's how we will do it. Shannon. Sure, well, uh, we have all party committees at the legislature. Um, but uh, let's go back to the question. Racism hurts, homophobia hurts, sexism, misogyny hurt. They hurt people, uh, they limit careers, uh, they, they, uh, they, they tear at the fabric of a democracy. And uh, so we need to take action when we see them. And that is why uh, uh, we now have an anti-racism council uh, in Alberta. Uh, we have uh, a dedicated funding for hate crimes units uh, through law enforcement. Uh, we have uh, uh, certainly put 
uh, a lot more resources into uh, uh, reconciliation, diversity, and so on throughout the Alberta Public Service and elsewhere where we have been able to uh, 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 move the ship of uh, the provincial government uh, to ensure that we are building the progressive, modern, forward-looking, inclusive society uh, that is uh, that was referenced by the question that uh, 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 that people fought for and died for in World War II. Now, I am quite certain that my grandfather's generation did not fight Mr. Hitler so that we could roll out the red carpet for white supremacists to go onto the ballot. I don't think so. So that sort of ridiculous nonsense does not belong in our legislatures, in our communities, in our parliaments. We need to call it out because it hurts people. In particular, it hurts people uh, in a society that is multicultural, that is diverse, and that is our strength, not our weakness. Next question. My name is... Uh, Please speak into the mic. I know you're tall. Says Bendham. Uh, my name is Seth Slomp, and uh, I'm, I've noticed, and I'm sure other people have noticed, uh, the Alberta Liberal signs are now an orangish, reddish color. Um, so why is the change? Why the change of color? Pat. We didn't change color. What happened was, when we asked for the templates to come down, by the time it got through two computers, the com color was faded. So when I went to order my signs. Okay. This is the true one. You can see my, even my cards are a different color than the signs. But the other <clears throat> gentleman had already ordered his signs because that was the template that was sent to him. So I made the choice. I could go with a different red and really confuse people who went to the east side and the west side. So I have made a recommendation that we actually pick a number because all colors have numbers and we stick with that number. Because, no, we did not mean to interfere with the NDP. I'm sorry, okay? But I could have made a choice. I'd say, no, I, it's gotta be with this red. And then that would even add more confusion. What do we got, a second liberal party in the province here? You know, we, we've got a couple of right-wing parties now. Do we have two centrist liberal parties? So. It was a computer glitch. It started in Calgary at our head office, and we just kept going with it. You could have said we use a diverse array of, uh, array of colors, and it's a spectrum of color. Well, I think what we just learned, though, folks, is that there's a lot of good people making really uh, just micro decisions behind every campaign, and every single campaign has people raising money, making decisions, putting out signs, doing the work of democracy, uh, and sometimes it goes a little sideways. <laughs> Next question. Hi, my name is Dallin Mendenhall. Um, this question is for all candidates, and I hope you all take... I do have to get really right in there. I do hope you'll take the, you all take the opportunity to respond. Um, for me, when I'm deciding which candidate to vote to, my top concern is who is going to be the best representative for the constituents in, in this riding. I want to know that the person I'm electing to represent me is going to solicit views and opinions and 
you know, pushes for legislation from the people in the constituency, I want to know that they're going to place the views of the constituents above anything else, above any sort of trend, or especially above any sorts of any leaders. Um, could you please speak to what you have or will do to represent your constituents, and the more concrete you can be, the better. Thanks. Pat, absolutely. You go ahead. Shannon is the only one who has experience here. So she's the only one who's gonna be able to speak about her time commitments. We can say what we think, but she's the only one who's gonna be able to know it. So, but basically, you're going to have an office here. You're going to have someone working in that office, and they have to be accessible to all their constituents. They have to make themselves a, she is going to have time constraints, he's gonna have time constraints, He's gonna have time constraints, so am I. So we're going to be limited that way. But what I can say, and our leader actually said this, we will put people before party. So if we have a proposal and we get in power, okay, and we come to make a, a piece of legislation, whether we have got one person in that legislature or we have got 10, we're still gonna put people first. So we have to make ourselves accessible within reason to answer each constituent's questions. And I'm sorry, it may not be that moment that you wanna phone in and get an answer, but we must reply because we work for you, okay? You are the employee and we are, you are the employer. <laughs> Boy, I'm getting confused here. You can tell I'm nervous. You are the employer, and we are striving to be the employee. Ben. What uh, drew me to the Alberta Independence Party was exactly that. Um, they promised to return governing to the people, to, to ask questions, have some referendums, um, not top down and not toe the party line or else. Um, doesn't matter which party, I would love to see all parties return to that because that does not seem to be the route that is followed at this moment. Um, that is the way it's supposed to work. You're supposed to, the politician is supposed to hear what you have to say and the, take heed on what the majority want. Now, that always comes with a set of rules that not everybody's gonna be happy about that, but. Um, as we, we've all aware of this saying, I'm sure that it's possible to pee off everybody at the same time. Uh, or it's impossible to make everybody happy all at the same time, but it's very happy to, or possible to pee them all off on the same time. And uh, that's not gonna change in any form. So uh, that is an interesting concept to me to return to that in, you know, and to put in your party policy that all Albertans are equal under their law. In other words, no special interest pandering, uh, that which seems to be the way of all political parties today. I would like to see that go away. Shannon. 
Sure. So um, I started knocking on doors in the fall of 2011 uh, in uh, uh, Lethbridge West in anticipation of the 2012 election campaign. Uh, we went from 8% uh, of the vote to 30 in that campaign. Uh, it was about what we thought. Uh, and then, uh, I, I obviously, in 2015, we were successful. So it was seven years uh, of uh, work now um, that has gone into uh, uh, this. And so I've knocked on a lot of doors, and I've talked to a lot of people in this riding. Uh, and over and over again, what do you hear? You hear about schools, in particular in the last election, over and over again. I heard about schools, about the, some of the, uh, the challenges that Zach was talking about. Uh, I, I certainly still hear about those, but I hear less of it, uh, simply because we did fund for enrollment and we did build uh, and modernize schools in the city. Uh, I, heard, I hear about uh, public health care, uh, certainly, and long-term care, absolutely. Uh, we have the fastest-growing seniors population, uh, in and not in Canada, in Alberta, here in Lethbridge, and so I do hear that off the doorstep and have for some time. And so we got to work on that. We opened a new uh, continuing care facility, or not opened, but announced a new uh, continuing care facility uh, uh, about a month ago, uh, an investment from the province over on the west side uh, for the first one over there. And so that's, uh, that's good. Um, certainly post-secondary education is something I hear about a lot uh, because there are both a lot of students, support staff and faculty uh, here. And so we delivered on the largest expansion to the U of L uh, since it was built. And I hear about economic diversification and jobs a lot. I, and I'll have more to say about that when I have more time. So I too, I was drawn to the Alberta party, um, like you were mentioning, because of this idea of free votes. Stephen Mandel and the Alberta party believes and trusts their MLAs that, um, that we can vote with our conscience, we can vote with our constituency, uh, rather than having to toe the line. And that, that excites me. Um, I want to talk, I, it's, where, where was, was it Dallin, was that the name of the, the where did he go? Yeah, Dallin. So Dallin, as far as myself as an individual, sorry, um, thank you, there you go. <laughs> I grew up in a very conservative household. I speak their language, uh, but I, I have, I, I work with and, I, and, I, and I, um, I'm friends with a lot of people on the left as well. You can have a disagreement with me and we'll be cool when it's done. And I will listen to, I'm a professional listener. And um, what I'm looking to do most, aside from the exciting party plans that we've got, that sounded like we we're having a party left. <laughs> My party's plans and, and policies. I wanna listen to anyone, I don't care where you are on the, on the political spectrum. I want to listen to you, and I want to hear what your concerns are, and I want to reflect your values in Edmonton. My concern is, is that we have this idea that there's two parties that have a possibility of forming government, and they hate each other, right? Like, the UCP want Shannon Phillips' head on a, on a, on a pedestal. Is that fair to say? They can't speak for themselves. I, so, what I, what, I'm, what I mean is, if Shannon Phillips is, is, is successful again, you're gonna have a large por portion of the po population that believes that she doesn't listen to them. And that's a lot to do with ideological biases as well. I will listen to you wherever you are on the spectrum, whatever your concerns are. That's the main reason I'm running. So thanks for the question, Dan. Thank you. Next question. 
Allison Pike is my name. Uh, what are your thoughts, and this is for everybody, what are your thoughts on the new K-4 curriculum that was set for implementation? Do you believe there was appropriate consultation, and when could we expect the implementation of a new curriculum from your party? Way to get to the point, Allison. I like that. <laughs> Who would like to start with that? Zach, please. So I wasn't involved in that process, but I have colleagues and friends who were, and I'm, I'm excited about it. This is, uh, it was well overdue, the, the curriculum review. Um, I think talking to teachers, we're, we're happy about it, we're excited about it. I think the hardest, um, the, the biggest concern, I suppose, is how fast we're gonna be rolling it out. And a lot of teachers are worried about um, making sure that they, they do it right. Uh, but um, now I'm forgetting the, the gist. If, if, if the question is what would our party do with the review, um, we would not scrap it. A lot of really hard work went into it. And it it's not ideological, uh, ideologically based. It's not an NDP plan. It's an Alberta education plan, right? And uh, yeah. And a lot of hard work was put into it, and, we, and, and the Alberta Party would, um, would support it. Shannon. Uh, so timelines of, uh, for implementation uh, are uh, the time, uh, uh, we are committed to uh, the timelines that we have already uh, uh, discussed, which is, uh, of course, these things are sequenced over years. Uh, the reason for that is exactly the, uh, the issue that Zach identifies, that uh, 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 teachers do need time. We need to work very closely with the ATA and with others uh, to ensure that uh, uh, we've got the appropriate sequencing in terms of the rollout of a new uh, program of studies and so on. Uh, I, I think... Um, Hundreds of people have uh, uh, participated this, hundreds of teachers alone, and then uh, thousands more uh, Albertans in the various consultations and uh, uh, other associated activities that have gone in to uh, the new curriculum. Uh, there is no question that when aspects of our curriculum are more than 30 years old, that it does need to be updated. There is no question about that. As a parent, my kids are in grades two and four. I do not want them learning from a flip phone curriculum. Thank you very much. Uh, I want them to be uh, learning from a modern curriculum that teaches them uh, the skills that they need, such as computational skills and other skills that they need to, to succeed, things that I never uh, I got and I'm probably too old for now. Uh, but uh, I certainly, uh, we'll continue with that. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, this is uh, a process that has involved thousands of Albertans. It's all online for everyone to see. Uh, and it is the right thing to do to uh, uh, build the economy of the 21st century. I am by no means an expert on this uh, subject, but I'm just going to say a little bit about what I read from my party's platform today, which is... Um, they intend to return to a little more common sense curriculum, uh, return to life skills programs, you know, the cooking, teach how to balance a checkbook, which they did when I was in school, which does not exist anymore. Um, it is my observation and opinion that young folks don't have a lot of life skills when they come out of school today. They, they don't, you know, they know how to uh, shortcut words on a phoned, but they don't even teach cursive anymore, and that's something that I learned. I, it seems to me that it's still a valuable skill. Maybe I'm too old and I don't understand, I don't know, but uh, I thought they had some very good ideas. Now, of course, that, that also uh, 
is going to come with some consultation from the parents. And uh, what do you think they need to put in the schools? And uh, it seemed like a solid plan to me. So thank you. Oh, sorry, Pat. I'm sorry. Um, I actually at one time sat on a, a curriculum review, and it does take a lot of time. It has a lot of input from a lot of different people. And then when they come up with a draft, they send it out to a few people who try it, try different parts of it. Then when it's approved, then they have to go to find the resources to support that curriculum. So some of that has to go into finding textbooks that will meet with that curriculum. So the Alberta Liberals have no intention of scrapping the work that has already been done. It may not be perfect, nobody designs anything perfect, but it needed an upgrade, we got it. Why point when you have gotten 90% of what you need and the money and the years that they have spent doing this to scrap it is a total waste of time and it'll be a total waste of time to redo it again. Next question. Hi, my name is Joy, um, and my question is for all of the candidates on stage here. Uh, um, so speak into the mic, they can't hear oh, you. Okay, a little bit closer, there we go. <laughs> uh, so my name is Joy, and I, my question is for all of the candidates. Surprise, it's about pipelines. Um, and so everybody has talked tonight already about oil and gas and about how important that sector is uh, to the Albertan economy. Um, we've all talked, or you've all talked about um, the all-important pipeline and getting our oil to Tidewater. Uh, super, super essential. My concern is that we've also seen over the last number of years a lot of indigenous resistance to pipelines and other resource-intensive industries like logging. So for example, a couple of years we saw uh, the occupation at Standing Rock and more recently in January we saw um, the Wet'suwet'en uh, checkpoint at Gidimden um, and the sort of the conflict that happened there. So. What I want to know is how do we get this pipeline built while also meeting our commitments as Canadians to reconciliation? Thanks. Zach would like to start. Um, you know, we do, we, we, we have a lot of product to sell and there's a lot of people who want to buy it and it's the, the hardest part is getting it to them. And unfortunately, our, our product is so far away from the market, f further than any other uh, oil, oil producer. But, but you're right though, we can't just bully it through. Um, we have to be in partnership with, uh, with, we even have to partner with BC on this one. But uh, we have to have, we have to make sure that BC and the First Nations communities that would be affected by these, by these pipelines are consulted with and, and we have to be on board. And ultimately, like, a pipeline is good, but it's, it's not going to solve all our problems either, right? And that's why we have to look at other ways, other innovative ways to get our, our, our product to, um, to market. And that might be through with, with bitumen pucks on rail, in rail or, or what have you. But the, the pipeline is not going to be the, um, the savior that a lot of people believe it will be. It's important, but it's not going to solve all our problems. And it needs to be in accordance with the rights and safety of everyone affected all the way, all the way to Tidewater and beyond. Shannon? Yeah. 
Uh, well, certainly there is a constitutional duty to consult on uh, uh, large projects on the part of the, the federal crown uh, with respect to interprovincial pipelines. Uh, there are constitutional duties to consult in terms of provincial uh, uh, energy products uh, projects as well. Uh, the important point here uh, is that that consultation be done correctly uh, when, when we are talking about large uh, uh, projects, and that was something that was not done correctly uh, in the context of uh, the Northern Gateway decision, which is why the courts threw that out. They found serious and egregious uh, uh, errors on the, on the part of the Harper government with respect to that particular pipeline project. Uh, and uh, uh, certainly, the, you know, uh, with respect to the Trans Mountain uh, decision, the federal court did, uh, as we all know very well, uh, a rule at the end of uh, August that uh, the Trudeau government had also failed in their interim process to appropriately uh, uh, consult uh, uh, on that particular pipeline project. And so they are redoing their work. They're on the, they're on the redo now. Uh, and uh, uh, we expect uh, them to be thorough in that work. Uh, I think more broadly, though, I mean, our, our government has also uh, committed uh, to the United Nations uh, Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Uh, and uh, there are a number of different examples where we are involving uh, First Nations in energy development. We are involving uh, First Nations in uh, renewable energy uh, uh, developments as well, uh, and ensuring that uh, the new economy uh, has uh, uh, benefits for Indigenous peoples, both on the oil and gas side uh, and in renewable energy. Ben? Of course, this party's mandate is separation. Uh, there is a UN resolution that says we cannot be denied access to Tidewater. Upon separation, there will be a referendum on that subject. If, when the province if and when the province decides to separate, they, nobody can stop us from building a pipeline east, west, or north. Uh, Arguably, I don't know, I only have to listen to what I have been told by people much smarter than I am, because I am certainly not a constitutional or an oil field lawyer or whatever you may need to be to decide that. But um, at what I'm, I'm invited to listen intently to what politicians tell me, and I'm supposed to believe them, yet I see lots of people snickering in the crowd that this can't happen. So um, I, I wonder what that is, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm willing to listen to Whatever you're snickering about, uh, if you have a relevant uh, reply to that as to tell me why that's not possible, because I have talked to people that are much smarter than I am and they assure me that this is exactly the way that can go. Uh, you know, it's. I think that even the thought of a positive referendum on Alberta separation is akin to what happened in Quebec. Even if we just get a positive vote to that, it's going to open up that conversation about the transfer payments. It has no choice. You know, that's, and is that what it takes? It's unfortunate that that's what it may take, is Alberta to throw a temper tantrum for that conversation to be reopened. Um, and for us to get out of this abusive relationship, which is kind of the way I see it. No matter what party forms the next government of Alberta, 
they are going to have to follow the rules. The rules are set out by the Supreme Court as to what must be followed. What we can hope for and what I would like to see is report on the status of what's happening. We seem to be sitting here and we're waiting for reports. Okay, nobody knows where we are in the consultation process. So for the pipelines, and most of us can sit here and agree, like we said, oil is part of our industry. It's part of our economy. We do need it. What's the status? We're in, we're in talks, we're in negotiations. That means nothing to us. That adds to our frustration with our government. And I, I think that it's important that both the federal government and the provincial government keep the people informed as here's the status, here's what we're doing, here's what we've accomplished. Even if they have to say, we're at a dead end, we're at a roadblock, at least let us know. Next question. Good evening, my name is Ernie Ingbrecht. I have a question for each of you to answer. Will your party continue what our Minister of Environment, Ms. Shannon Phillips, started in turning the region of Bighorn into a provincial park? And if so, will you have consultation with the shareholders? S the stakeholders. Now, I just want to mention we are running out of time, so if we could keep our answers somewhat short, that would be fantastic. Who would like to start? Shannon. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly uh, Albertans value nature and they value conservation. And uh, uh, we know this uh, uh, because uh, there is uh, so much passion and emotion around conservation and, and uh, uh, issues. And so we began a process. We put a, uh, a proposal on the table that we uh, have already done some modifications to in terms of uh, a mix of uh, a wildland park designation for that area between uh, Jasper and Banff, some provincial park designations uh, uh, moving a little bit further uh, uh, east, and then some provincial recreation areas, uh, which is essentially the picnic tables piece of it, uh, and, uh, uh, and then uh, further out, some public land use zones, which are not park designations at all. Uh, and uh, have no impact on, on existing forestry, oil and gas tenure, or other uh, 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 industrial activities. Public land use zones are, are used throughout the province uh, in a sort of working landscape model, if you will. They're there to kind of balance uh, recreational pressures with uh, uh, the folks who are making a living off the landscape, whether it's uh, grazing leaseholders, uh, forestry quota holders. Uh, uh, and uh, oil and gas. So, uh, you know, there are uh, uh, more consultations uh, to come on that, and I think uh, the biggest uh, consultation is around the uh, role of Indigenous peoples with co-management uh, of those spaces. We've begun co-management uh, in uh, our castle parks, uh, and we have begun co-management in a number of new uh, uh, parks in and around Wood Buffalo National Park. Uh, this is... Uh, 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 something that we are going to continue to discuss uh, with uh, a number of different people, but uh, most importantly, the affected First Nations, Estonia, Nakoda, uh, and other Cree nations in the area. Thank you. Zach? Well, just for the sake of time, uh, we don't have an official position uh, yet on, on that issue, but we are all about consulting. And so in, in the same vein, I think we would consult and make sure that um, we can find compromise for all parties uh, stakeholders involved. <laughs> Thank you. Ben? The AIP certainly does not continue, not want to ram a park down 
the stakeholders' throats. They intend to open that conversation and follow through with the wishes of those who, who have the most at stake. Basically, um, like uh, Zach has said, we don't have an official position on this specific issue. We do believe in consultation first before any legislation has been proposed. We also think that, and this is my own personal one, not we, I think, I don't live in that area. I've got an opinion like you guys. The people who need the consultation is the people who live there, the people who work there, and the industries that will be impacted negatively or positively. Next question. Good evening, my name's Brendan. This is a question for Ben. What would it mean if Alberta separated from Canada? Well, there are certainly some massive economic uh, advantages, starting with a $45,000 personal tax exemption, uh, which is currently in Alberta in the neighborhood of about $19,000. A 20% flat tax follows that. Uh, so for instance, $100,000 income in this province pays about $11,000 in personal income tax, which is a massive savings from where we are at currently. Uh, the APP, which would be formerly the CPP, would see almost a doubling in benefits immediately and seamlessly upon secession. Uh, same thing with the uh, Alberta Employment Insurance. Uh, going from uh, whatever the maximum is now, about $1,900, my understanding, don't hold me to these numbers, uh, to a maximum of $3,750, a much more livable return from these social necessary programs. Um, there is uh, a couple of other things that I'm sorry, I'm just drawing a blank on that for just one sec here. Uh, Geez, I'm. No uh, can I, if I can have a second to refer to a note here, I'm sorry. Depends sorry. on if you have time. No time, no time, Newt. I think we're. I'm sorry. Actually, that that is just yeah. kind of the highlights that I had in my brain, and uh, I'm sorry, it, I I can't follow through more. What I would invite you to do is, all our policies are indeed online. Uh, Go albertaindependence.ca and read them for yourself. It's not, it doesn't take three hours to sit there and read it. It's about six pages long, takes about five minutes. It's very comprehensive and it's right there. Uh, no questions from my feeble brain. Thank you. No. <laughs> no, you did good. We are, we have about five minutes, give or take, before we're going to ask for closing remarks. So I just want to let everyone, we'll try and get through the questions if we can, if everyone's patient. So please, next question. Holly Traswich, and my question is for all of you. What are your thoughts on mental illness and wellness being taught in K-12 in its entirety, from the signs and symptoms to the incredible breadth of illnesses to comprehensive understanding and the ability to finally start removing the stigma associated with mentally ill? Zach? Um, yeah. Uh, that's what I do for a living. It's, it's really rewarding, fantastic work. Uh, there's a lot of good work being done already uh, in, as far as reducing stigma and teaching our kids about mental health. It's important. Um, and we would continue to do so. I, I have more thoughts, but just for the sake of time, uh, very much in favor of teaching our kids and, and, and preventing 
mental illness by starting when they're kids rather than having to deal with it when, when, when they're adults. Sure, real quick, uh, this is one of the reasons why, one, we update the curriculum for 21st century, uh, 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 what we know. When we know better, we do better uh, throughout the school system. Uh, but it's also the reason why we ensure stable, predictable funding to our classrooms uh, to ensure that teachers and educational assistants and others have the ability to respond uh, and work with students wherever they are at. Uh, and blowing a four and a half billion dollar hole in the budget by giving tax breaks to your rich buddies, which is what Jason Kenney has proposed as his fiscal plan, will not help. Ben? Thank you, Ben. Pat? I think that when we can educate people, and if it's about a mental illness or it's about another type of illness, is that we can develop more empathy, and that is sometimes what we need. We need more acceptance for people that have issues so that we do not stigmatize them. And anything that we can bring that in, if we bring that in in kindergarten and we start to develop that, I am all in favor of that. Next question. Thanks. Alison Pike, I'm the parent of three school-aged children with disabilities. What will your party do to ensure the appropriate and qualified supports are in place and that teachers have the resources they need for the complex classes they are faced with while ensuring inclusive classrooms exist for all my children through to grade 12? Zach? So as, as mentioned before, we will, we will double the amount of funds for... Um, for inclusive education, earmarked for inclusive education. So those, not, not a cent can be used on anything other than uh, making sure that there's educational assistance in those classrooms and making sure that the proper assessments are done early. So um, the Alberta party is, 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 in my opinion, the most committed to making sure that uh, inclusive education is funded. The specific uh, uh, program envelope is, uh, of course, the classroom improvement, uh, classroom improvement uh, uh, fund that we would be uh, increasing from 77 million to 100 million annually. That would add uh, uh, up to 400 new teachers and support staff this fall, uh, and uh, would ensure uh, that we also have uh, that students with disabilities or student students learning uh, uh, ESL have the appropriate uh, uh, supports in place as well. Um, uh, of course, uh, building and modernizing schools is also uh, a way that we can ensure that we are appropriately supporting students, uh, whatever their uh, uh, disability uh, may be. Uh, that's certainly an important piece. Um, and uh, 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 you know, finally, I will just say that 244 schools, we've hired 4,000 teachers uh, and support staff, reduced school fees uh, to save parents. It's more of an issue in other places like Calgary than it was in Lethbridge, but we still did do that. Uh, and uh, we also have brought in a school nutrition program. Uh, that ensures that 30,000 kids, 30,000 kids in this province now have access to a daily healthy meal. Um, absolutely, we uh, intend to keep all funding at current levels or better. And of course, it falls back to that conversation with uh, those most in need, which of course is you, young lady, with your three special needs children. Uh, those are the people we need to talk to about uh, what it is they require, as with somebody that does not know anything about that situation, cannot understand. 
like some of my other friends up here, I'm going to call you friends, okay? We have to ensure that we have the funding necessary. We cannot hold it like the UCP want to. We have to spend where it needs. We also want to invest to make sure that those assistants, not just the teachers, the assistants have the proper training that they need, okay? Um, the Alberta Liberals, we were one of the first people to say we wanted to ban these seclusion rooms, okay? Uh, the NDP have come along and they have also agreed with that. These are one of the things that we have to do, but let's make sure that if, if your child has a very specific need, that the person who's working with them has the proper education. Last question of the night. Thank you. My I hope it's Le a good one. <laughs> My name's Leona Jacobs, and I've actually been thinking about some of the answers to previous questions um, on representation, on consultation, on um, sort of the rise of the alt-right and, and kind of some fascist overtones that we've been witnessing. And I've been listening to the responses, and I hear, um, yes, the duty to consult, the duty to talk to people, to hear what they're saying and stuff. But then I heard a phrase called special interest group when my back went up. Because what de defines a special interest group when in fact we're a bunch of citizens? And so the issue about the bighorn prompted some comments over here that said, um, in response to one of the responses, which was issues around the, the formation of parks in in our various uh, mountainous regions is actually not about recreational development. That is a piece of it by far, but it is about the watershed. And the watershed isn't located specifically around that geographic area. The watershed spreads out and it actually spreads right across the prairies. So how do you consult and include those people in your, your, um, your consultation, your, your um, representation, etc. And then, who makes the decision? Because if in fact you're leaving it to the electorate, we're electing you people to take a leadership role. So yes, consult, yes, listen to us, but then somebody's gotta call it. Somebody's gotta make a decision. And so how are you gonna then sell that back to the people who disagree with your decision? That's my question. Yeah, that's, that's a really good question, and, and ultimately, you're, you're right. You're, you're, um, you're electing one of us, uh, or someone else that's not here, that, that will make decisions on your behalf, absolutely. And you know, when I say that, that I will consult, I'm not saying that I'm going to do exactly what everyone asked. There was, if, if, if that was the way it went, then um, you know, schools wouldn't, be, uh, wouldn't have desegregated in the southern states in the 50s, right, or the 60s. Um, so ultimately, the decision has to be made, and sometimes you will have to go against your electorate. It's about the evidence, though, including the consultation with, with people. But if the evidence says this is a bad idea, then you have to trust, we have to trust our elected officials to make the right decision on our behalf. On the matter of parks and conservation, uh, headwaters protection is vitally important. We're learning a lot more in terms of biodiversity, climate change adaptation, uh, about the importance 
uh, of headwaters. We're also uh, uh, learning a lot more uh, about what we need to do to basically be prepared for more frequent and severe weather events, like as we saw the, the flood in 2013 in Calgary, uh, and what headwaters protection can uh, uh, do there as well. We're learning more and more all the time. Science is uh, uh, telling us more and more. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, most of these conversations come out of very long and protracted regional planning exercises. Uh, both the Castle and uh, the Bighorn uh, proposals came out of, of uh, the previous government's regional planning uh, efforts. And uh, as, you know, having served now in the Environment Minister's Chair for four years, uh, I'm not quick uh, to give uh, kudos to the previous government on environment files. It was a revolving door of environment ministers. Uh, on regional planning, um, they did the right thing. They brought in uh, I, I, an act that uh, uh, makes sure that we have regional planning, uh, and it's a very robust uh, consultation process that underpins that. Now, they didn't listen to a lot of people, which is why uh, I, I, the Castle Parks didn't happen. Uh, we came in and we, we uh, I, I did listen to, to people, and then it did become part of the regional plan. Uh, so, and the, the, the sub-regional planning that happened with Porcupine Livingston as well. You're right, though. Sometimes tough decisions need to be made and, and interests need to be balanced um, against one another. And uh, uh, we, for 44 years, did a lot of admiring problems in this province. Uh, and, uh, uh, but we didn't do much in the way of solving them. I did not bring that spirit or ethic to my work as environment minister. Ben? I, uh, oh, did it quit or? I think, no, there we go. I'm just not speaking into the thing. Uh, I used to spend a lot of time in the Livingston Porcupine Hills, so uh, I still res react to this question with too much emotion. Um, and I'm trying to learn from that to quite understand why it happened. I, I, I still am too firmly mired in, in losing my recreational area to respond rationally. So I'm just gonna leave it at that and hope that I can open my mind and, and learn something about the process that led to that. Thank you. Uh, Leona, I hope I get this answered right for you, okay? In, in the consultation process, everybody here has an opinion, everybody has a right to have their voice. But part of the consultation process that I believe in is I want people who know about that. I want professionals who can tell me what is right. I can no way know everything. I have an expertise because of my background in education, but not in finance, not in the environment. That's not my background. So I would have to consult with people who work there, people who know that. That's what I mean by consultation. And yes, governing is all about making choices. So sometime you have to say, we've got the facts, this is the best way, this is a decision. And it's not everybody's going to agree with it. Thank you so much for that marathon of questions and diverse answers. We're now gonna go into our closing remarks. So each candidate will get um, between a minute and a minute and a half, depending on how patient we are, to uh, say their final remarks before I let you go for tonight. So we are gonna go in reverse order. So Zach, you get to start. All right. About a month ago, I was in Calgary um, with uh, Barack Obama. Is anyone else there? 
didn't know. Okay, it was pretty cool. Uh, so let me share with you what Barack told me. Um, you know, he he talked about how what's happening in in the U.S. and throughout the world is that the the left is failing in their ability to understand the right, and so the more we listen and and reach out to our to our brothers and sisters across the political uh, divide, the more we're, we're going to be able to get things done and reduce radicalism and get our um, move forward. I believe I'm running because I believe that I can do that. And with, with all respect of those on the panel, I believe that I can do it the best. We, we will cooperate. We are a real deal party, believe it or not. We have 87 candidates, 80, 87 awesome candidates. I'm like the worst one out of the 87. <laughs> They're strong people throughout the province and we're gonna, we're gonna shock Alberta how well the Alberta, the, the Alberta party does. We're not extreme. We'll listen to you, we'll represent you, and we will, we will uh, put forward great ideas. It's not about right or left, it's about forward. So April 16th, I hope you can have the courage to resist the fear and put a check next to my name. Thank you. Shannon. So, you know, I think this election is about priorities. Uh, and it's, uh, uh, it's about uh, uh, whether we have the priority of uh, teachers hired for those 15,000 kids coming into the school system. Uh, whether we have the priority of strengthening and expanding our public health care system so that public health care is there uh, uh, for us when we need it. Uh, it's about whether we want to invest in our young children and our young families with $25 a day childcare. Uh, and uh, it's about uh, how we get to that path to balance. Do we do it with reckless ideological cuts to the things that we, that, that we value? and that, uh, uh, that make us, uh, give us the strong communities as Albertans? Or do we blow a hole in our budget so that we can do tax giveaways uh, and, uh, and put the, the strong public services that knit our communities together at risk? Rachel Notley has a vision for one Alberta, where the province works for us all. Jason Kenney has a, has a vision for two Albertas, one that works for the super wealthy and another one for the rest of us, where we can wait in longer lines and pay more for the services uh, that, uh, uh, that we are currently enjoying. So that is the vision, uh, that is the choice on offer. I have uh, I had the honor to serve you, uh, to work for your priorities, public health care, education, uh, uh, good, strong uh, uh, services in this city expansion to post-secondary education and other priorities. I have done that work for the last four years and I'm looking forward as part of uh, Rachel Notley's team to continuing it. Ben. How do you follow up some, how do you follow up a couple comments um, by a guy who's on a first name basis with Mr. Obama? <laughs> I wouldn't be sitting here if I wasn't ready for something drastically different. Um, the possibility of what we can do with 41 to 50 mil billion dollars that not leaving this province, that can be handled by Albertans, for Albertans, right here in this province, 
it excites me. It, and it excites me in a way that we've seen the status quo political parties for 100 years. Nothing changes, you know, the, diff the color of the sign, right? Uh, the fact that The fact that the uh, liberal sign has gone to orange, you know, cre creates more political talk than absolute actual change. And uh, I think that's very disappointing. I, I do not see a downside to the fiscal policy of this party. And I, I, I challenge this province, you know, uh, in 2015, it changed its mind and it went away from the Conservative Party, and it voted orange, and it voted orange convincingly. And for me, that was not a positive result, and that is my personal feelings and my observations, and, and no disrespect to Ms. Phillips uh, telling us all about all the great things that her, that her party has done for our province. I respectfully disagree. This is, uh, yeah, cutting in and cutting out. Um, I am loud enough to hear. I, I can be. Um, you know, that is what I'm looking for. That's what draw me to this. You can say all the things you want, but what I have done is step out of my comfort zone and put myself in front of a bunch of people to do something that I believe in. And, and ultimately, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what you think. And that's what we're doing here. And I just wanted to open the conversation because I think that this issue of Alberta separatists needs to be on this ballot. And we're going to find out the answer of what you people think here in a short 18 days. Thank you. Is this, no. Go. Can we get that one over to you, Pat? All right. I started it. I can end it. Okay. I'll try and be quick. We have 10 political parties that are registered plus independent candidates. You get to choose from five. Okay, that's a pretty good choice, I like that. What's important is that you do vote. What is important is that you engage your friends, your family, and your neighbors to vote. Ask them to look at the party platforms. Ask them to then to look at the people. Look at that first. Then decide on the party name last. And just remember, let's vote on the issues that are going to impact you and also going to impact the whole province. Okay? I want who's ever elected to remember, just do the right thing. It's a good way to end. And I won't hold you too much longer, but thank you so much for spending Friday with us. Thank you so much for getting informed. And all I have to say is April 16th, go vote. Have a great night.